Hello and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the index packet forensic files with your host, Michael Morris. This week's guest is Doug Hurd, Senior Business Development Manager for Cisco Security Solutions. Doug, first of all, thank you. Welcome. Uh, why don't you give a brief introduction and background of yourself? Sure. Thanks, Michael. Uh, so I've been at Cisco almost seven years. I came on board through the acquisition of Sourcefire, where I worked in a, a role building an alliance program and also worked in product management. Uh, so now I work in a team in Cisco called Cisco Security Technical Alliances, or CSTA. We all focus on third-party integration on our products right across the entire Cisco security portfolio. My focus is on Firepower and ASA specifically. Okay. And thanks again for joining and taking a little time with us. Doug, Cisco continues to be a industry leader in security solutions for a number of years now. But one of the keys to your strategy has always been to have the really strong ecosystem of technology partners. Why is it so important for customers to brace, embrace an ecosystem vendor approach in their security strategy? Well, what we found talking to lots and lots of customers is even if a customer were to buy all of Cisco's security products, they're still going to use probably dozens of other products. And if you don't have products that are extensible, that are API rich and are capable of sharing uh, important contextual information with other products, then you can't optimize that deployment of technologies. We're just big believers in this concept of an open architecture where we make it easy for our products to play nice with everybody else's products. Right. So in your experience, what are some key foundational pieces of a robust security stack? So if you, if you were to try to buy everything you need to secure your enterprise, you could probably take an approach whereby you buy products designed to handle three different aspects of an attack. Think of it as like the threat time continuum, <laughs> right? For lack of a better word, right? There are tools that you deploy that are proactive and they defend you before the attack. You, have, you focus on policies, you focus on the processes, you have things in place in anticipation for dealing with some sort of problem, right? So there's the before stuff, right. there's the during stuff, which are the block and tackle technologies like intrusion prevention and anti-malware and antivirus and all the things that detect, alert and block stuff when it happens. That's kind of the deter the during. Then there's the after. And those are the tools that allow you to figure out the extent of a compromise, understand maybe how it happened, and give you real insight into the nature of the attack so that you can make changes to better defend against it in the future. So think before, during, and after. Now, no vendor has all the products you need in all of those spaces. We certainly have some that touch all three of those phases. Mm -hmm. But again, you're going to use other vendor products to fill in a lot of gaps. And that, again, is why we're really big on APIs and extensibility. Right. No, that's absolutely true. And the more and more customers I talk to, you know, it's, it's seeing those, those tools integrate easy in workflows. Um, obviously, Doug, you and I are doing a, a Cisco WebEx here now. And, and so a lot of things going on in the market and the world today with the pandemic. Um, What's one thing uh, you recommend to our listeners to look out for as they think about this shifting battle of cybersecurity and network security? You know, things changing a lot more remote workers. Um, what's something you recommend they really key, key in on? Well, a couple things. Um, firstly, 
try, although it's, it's hard, um, you want to try to reduce the number of consoles or screens that you need to look at through the course of your day, right? We sell lots of products at Cisco, so if you buy all of our products, you're going to have a bunch of consoles to look at. Right. Um, but we've, we have focused on some back-end integration that helps reduce the number of screens our customers need to look at. We're not going to tell you we have a single pane of glass. That's not what we do. But you can reduce the number of consoles for a number of products into a single view. And that's one thing we've done with a technology we have called Cisco Threat Response, or CTR. Hmm. Um, so there's that. Also, I think everybody has to get familiar with the concept of zero trust. We're, we're more mobile than ever. And now in the, in the midst of this pandemic, all of us who may have been office-based or like maybe you and me who do a combination between working from home and an office or being in the field with customers or whatever, we're out 100% of the time. Yeah. So our, our laptop, our machine, um, needs to be able to move seamlessly in and out of these environments and always enjoy an optimal level of security no matter what capacity we're working in. And the, the whole concept of zero trust is an area where um, it's an approach, if you will, uh, whereby you just assume every machine in your enterprise is unprotected unless you put in specific right. countermeasures to protect that machine. Right. It's uh, it's funny. I've been reading more and more blogs and articles lately about um, with the shift uh, that the attack surface has you know just exponentially expanded uh, and a lot more lack of controls and even awareness to a lot of IT teams um, that aren't used to having as remote workers as I'm sure Cisco and Endace are. What are some best practices you suggest they think about first? Um, well, as I mentioned, zero trust is a big one. Yep. Um, other best practices are um, we've, we, we've suggested that customers shift away from this notion of if I can simply put in an optimal uh, set of technologies, life will be good, right? I think a few years ago we stopped thinking that and we started to think along the lines of, well, if I am attacked, what am I going to do? What, what do I do if I assume that inevitably my enterprise will be compromised in one, in one way or another? What do I do then? So then really it's about having the tools in place, the forensic capabilities, to really understand, you know, how bad is this? How did it happen? Um, and how quickly can I contain it? And so case in point about an open ecosystem, we play nice with uh, Endace technologies, which allows our customers to... Um, move into a, 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 a for it, be able to shift from looking at an, an event um, where we might provide some really good contextual information uh, into full packet capture, which gives me kind of the ultimate forensic uh, information to work with. So really being able to figure out the extent of a compromise, contain it, and then learn from that in such a way that you can prevent it from happening in the future. And that boils down to having an understanding that inevitably bad things are going to happen. And don't assume that if you have the right tools, it'll never happen because it will. So you right. need the tools that help you understand what happens so that you can prevent it. Right. I was the saying it's, it's not if it's when, and uh, how do you contain it? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. One of the, along those lines, one of the um, things I was regularly hearing, I still am uh, when I talk to customers and other partners is just most SecOps teams are, 
literally inundated with the volume of alarms and being able to quickly get through them and dispense them and you know weed out the false positives. Uh, obviously, with the remote distribution of workers and employees and remoteness to their tools now, I'm sure that's only worse. Um, so what do you recommend teams do and what's what's Cisco's approach around addressing that challenge of getting through alarms quicker and simpler? Right. Uh, great question. So I can't I can't speak to everything Cisco does here, but I can give right. you a little bit of insight into a couple of things. Right. OK. Um, I've talked before about having a lot of screens to look at and a lot of products. Mm -hmm. Cisco has a broad portfolio. But there are some themes that run across this portfolio, and it's not, it's not by accident. One is a number of our, or a key one is that a number of our products are threat-centric. We have multiple products that understand the same kind of threats, um, what you might call observables. Right. Um, you know, a, a simple example of an observable is an IP address, or a hash, or a URL, something you can identify and then work with. So what we've done in our portfolio is we've created, again, not a single pane of glass, but a platform that our customers can look at and understand how multiple Cisco security products see the same threat. So I might have um, my uh, web security appliance or my email security appliance running our anti-malware technology. I might have firepower running that anti-malware technology, and I might have that technology also running on endpoints. Um, with Cisco Threat Response, which really just queries the immediately available event data from those tools in mm -hmm. one shot. I can pull it all together and look at it on one screen. So that saves me, a Cisco customer, from going to three or four different Cisco products to understand how these different products have seen and recorded what they've done in response to um, a given threat. Mm -hmm. So I can reduce the number of screens that the customer needs to look at. And that's a great capability to have when you're doing any type of forensics, because now I have more time to look at other tools right. like your tools, right? Right. So again, it's all about reducing the number of screens the customer has to look at. One other concept though, uh, I mentioned CTR queries data that's immediately available within our individual product logs, right? It's not mm -hmm. a SIM, it's not a SOAR, we're not a data lake, you know, we're none of those things, right? We're giving you a kind of a view into the, what I might call the hot data, right? right? And when I start moving data off to a SIM, maybe that's warm data. And then I move data off to an archive, and that's cold data. So to answer your question, um, another concept is this notion of hot, warm, and cold data, right? And there's a cost associated with storing different kinds of data mm -hmm. in terms of how long you want it or whether it needs to be readily available. And those con that concept allows customers maybe to optimize what it costs for them to store data based on that window of time they consider important in the wake of an event. No, that's that's an excellent point. And one of the reasons we try and build integrations with a number of your tools to enable them to get to that rich, could be cold data, but if we get uh, an analyst there in context quickly, um, it, it makes it much warmer <laughs> in the process as you described. That's, sure. that's great. You mentioned uh, orchestration. Um, and, and as part of that piece, obviously, there's a lot broader adoption of automation orchestration solutions. Um, what are some best practices you're seeing or recommend in that area uh, around integrating those tools in, in your business processes? So I can, two things come to mind. One of them I've, I've addressed mm -hmm. um, in some of the earlier questions, and that is, if you're 
products aren't API friendly, they're not going to play super well in an orchestration environment. You know, those tools need to ask your tools questions or those tools need to ask your tool to do something. So if you're not an extensible platform, you're not going to play well with those tools. Yeah. Um, now, if you are and you do play well, there's more to it than just having those technical nuts and bolts or, or, or integration points in your product. What I have found is you have to work pretty closely with those vendors, mm -hmm. with those with those partners, because although they the, your partner may understand how to make API calls against your REST API or something like that, right? If they don't really understand exactly what your product does and what and what customers do to get the most value out of your products, the integration they create with your products might not really be as useful. Mm -hmm. So it really is a very, let's call it, you have to have a close working technical relationship mm -hmm. with partners in that space, at least in my experience, for the integration that you build together to really be powerful and meaningful. I mean, yeah. I think if you look at the integration we have with uh, Endace, with our Firepower Management Center, that's that's a perfect example in my view. Mm -hmm. It's a direct result of um, us both understanding how intrusion event data is generally analyzed by our analysts and how their workflow um, usually moves as they look at a critical event and try to figure out more about it than what we can tell them with our platform. So we've built integration that creates kind of a nice simple workflow from our, our experience, our user interface, right straight into yours. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely our approach to this, this whole process is enable users of whatever tool get to the data quickly. Um, all right, Doug, I'm obviously sensitive to your time. One of the things I, I want to walk away with this of is, uh, you know, if, if you could look out on the horizon 6, 12, 18 months, um, you know, obviously a lot of change still going on. But what's one thing you would recommend to our listeners to look out for um, as you see things continuing to shift and unfold, um, really to stay ahead of the game, you know, kind of that, what's the next big thing in security? What would you talk about? Well, I'm going to give you a really, a really biased answer here, right? Because okay. this is my space. As you look at tools, as you look at security products, um, look for those that have really extensible capabilities because this industry continues to create more and more products all the time. And I think that's because the threat evolves so quickly that there's just constantly new startups coming up to address a specific kind of threat. So lots and lots and lots of niche players. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of big companies start by addressing a few niche requirements. And next thing you know, they're a big security company. Right. Uh, so I would, I'd say extensibility is always going to be important because the number of vendors in this business just continues to expand. I really don't think it's going to consolidate down into a small number of vendors. There will be big, broad portfolio technology companies like us and some of our bigger competitors. But every time I've been to RSA now, I just went for the 16th year in a row back in the end of February, which is probably the last time I've traveled and will travel for a long time. Yeah. Um, the number of companies at that expo goes up every year. So I think that says a lot in that the need for tools just keeps expanding and the variety of tools that at least come to market expands. 
And so buy tools that are extensible, I think you'll get, I think generally they'll be in your environment longer. Yeah. Um, because you're always going to be buying new stuff, and some things become obsolete. But extensibility, openness. Some companies come with an ecosystem of technologies already that they've built because they mm -hmm. they bought into the same concept that I'm that I'm selling here. Um, open architecture is the way to go in security. The bad guys don't wait for us all to glue all of our stuff together perfectly. So you got to be able to you got to be able to share stuff real easily. And that usually means APIs and other integration points. Yep. No, excellent point, Doug. And again. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for joining and sharing your tremendous insights here in how to better secure network networks. We ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of Endace Packet Forensic Files. For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integration with Cisco Firepower and Cisco StealthWatch, uh, please visit endace.com Fusion Partners. Thank you. <laughs>